Well, it's good to see you all today. My name is Becky Gerlach. I'm the worship director here at North County Christ the King. And uh, I just want to welcome you here today on this beautiful February day. I'm stepping in to do announcements this morning for Pastor Kurt, who is all the way over in India serving Jesus over there this morning. So let's all say hi to Kurt. So we do have some great and wonderful things happening. If you pull out your program, you'll see all of those things in there. The first one coming up is on Friday, February 7. We are having a church potluck. One of the greatest things about coming to church besides worshiping Jesus is food, right? So we're going to come together. We want everyone to come and bring some type of international dish as we celebrate the cultures that we have across the world. And we can learn more about cultures, learn how we can pray for each individual culture, what countries need more prayer, and we can eat and spend some time together as we do that. There's more information in your program on that, and you can register on the NCCTK app or online. The next food thing we have coming up is a potato feed. We all love a big potato, right? Especially in the middle of winter. So why not come out on February 21 at 5 o'clock and let our Mexico missions team serve you a baked potato with all the good stuff piled all over it. We would love if you would register for this as well so we know how many potatoes to get. So you can register for that in your program, online, or on the NCCTK app. If you haven't got it yet, you should get it. It's really cool. And while you're here for dinner, you might as well stay for a movie, right? So we'll have dinner and a movie happening here on Friday, the 21st. We are super excited. We've had this planned for quite a while. There's a new movie that's actually from the old story of the Pilgrim's Progress, but they have made it into a wonderful children's cartoon, animated. And what we want to do is raise money for this to have it translated into over 200 languages so that we can start to use this around the world like the Jesus film has been used around the world for a while now. So come out, grab a baked potato, make a donation to the Mexico missions team, and then make a, do- a donation for this and invite all of your friends to this wonderful community event happening on Friday, February 21st. And we'd love for you to register for baked potatoes too, so make sure you do that. All right, I'm going to hand this over to Bateman now, and let's have some fun. (laughs) I'm going to go get my baked potato, I'll tell you that. Well, good morning. It was actually, it was really cool to be able to be up in the front and listen to everybody worshiping behind me. Usually I'm over in the side over there with the edge kids, so I don't get the full effect of everybody behind me. But I took a moment to just, while we were seeing beyond, I just took a moment to stop and listen. And it was just a blessing to hear the worship all around me like a choir. I would suggest that you all take a moment to do that at times, but then you would all stop singing and then it wouldn't have the effect anymore. So, but I'm excited to be up here with you this morning. I'm excited to uh, be with all of my church family, including the extended family online with your coffee and your blanket at home getting ready for the Super Bowl. Um, but we also have the edge kids and the anchor kids. So if you're an edge or an anchor kid, put your hand up right now. Yeah, I love it. Look at all those Edge and Anchor kids in here. It's a good day when we all can worship together. So I'm pretty pumped for today. Um, I'm also excited to be able to share as we dive into uh, our Focus Faith series. And last week we learned about our new, our new identity and our, our memory verse was 1 Peter 2.9. So let's recite that together. See how many people actually memorized it. 1 Peter 2.9. But you are not like that. 
For you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he has called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. 1 Peter 2.9. I love reciting things with you guys. We're just going to recite my entire, my entire message today, okay? So I'm just going to have you guys repeat everything I say all morning long. No, as Pastor Kurt taught last week, uh, our focused faith craves this new identity, right? And that new identity has been given to us through Christ as part of God's own people. The memory verse for this week is at the top of your notes. And Edge Kids, this is your memory verse for the week too. So make sure you memorize it, come back and share it with me next week at Edge. So today we're going to take a little shift as we get into our focused faith, and we're going to look at how our focused faith honors authority. As we get into this, I do want to say that leadership is a passion of mine. And maybe it's because I haven't always been a very good leader. Uh, years ago, I was at work, and, and one of the employees left their phone sitting by my desk. And so we opened it up, and we went to the contacts to find out whose phone it was. And there was a contact in there that was named Little Hitler. Pretty bad. So we called it. And my phone rang. It's mm. right in the chest. You know, that was, that was a big moment of hurt, but a big moment of reflection for me. And I made a decision at that time that I would start trying to be a better leader and a better authority. But there are those authorities in our lives that, that we love and we look up to as mentors and as role models. And then there are the other ones. The ones you know that you look at and you think, why did anybody ever put you in charge of somebody else? <laughs> and the teenagers in this room, you better not look at your parents right now. <laughs> and then there's the authorities that they're given the tiniest bit of authority... And yet they act like they rule the world. How many people have had that type of authority over them? Yeah, a lot of us have, right? And now all the younger siblings are looking at the older siblings right now. So it's just going down the family. But needless to say, there are figures of authority in our lives that we like and ones that we don't. You know, kids, you have your parents and you have your teachers and your school administrators and your coaches and on and on and on. And, and adults, you have... You have police, and you have pastors, and you have government, and you have a president. But God's word tells us that we are to respect all authority. We're going to be reading in 1 Peter 2, chapter 13, uh, 1 Peter 2, verses 13 through 24 today. So if you'd like to read along, go ahead. You can turn in your Bible, or if you have your phone, you can scroll on your phone, however you want. But we're also going to have it up on the screen if you don't have the word today with you. But before we read, let's take a moment and let's, at, let's ask God to bless this time. Lord Jesus, I, I thank you that we can be here to worship you. We can be here to, to get closer to you. I thank you for your word that that you have instructed us in your word. You have shown yourself to us through your word, Lord. Today, we, we invite you to work. We give you this time, Lord. It's not our time. It's your time right now. It's your time to work in our hearts and work through your word to impact our lives. We ask you to bless this time, Holy Spirit. 
In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. So let's dive right into uh, 1 Peter 2.13. It says, For the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority, whether the king as head of state or the officials he has appointed. For the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and honor those who do right. It is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. You know, I want to take a look at how this whole passage starts. It starts with the words, for the Lord's sake. When we honor authority, it shouldn't be for our personal gain. It shouldn't be for, for growth in ourselves. It should be for the Lord's sake. It's not a worldly view, but an eternal spiritual view. When we choose to honor earthly authority, it has an eternal impact. And Peter continues in verse 13 and he says, submit to all human authority. The Greek word used here for submit is iptitaso. Say iptitaso. Isn't that fun to say? I just like saying iptitaso. I've like practiced it over and over and over just because I like to say it. Anyway, that really didn't matter. Um, But when that word iptitaso, it means to be subject to or to be subordinate to. This isn't about obedience. I mean, that's part of it, but it isn't directly about obedience. It's about an attitude. It's about an attitude of humility. It's about saying, I am under authority, and so I will take a humble posture. Peter Or James also calls us to be humble in in James 4.10. He says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. Humbling yourselves and, and honoring earthly authority, especially authority you don't agree with, is honoring to God. Will God lift you up in honor in this world? I don't know, maybe, maybe not. But he will lift you in eternity. Point number one in your notes is focused faith honors God by honoring all authority. Often we don't even realize that we pick and we choose what authorities to honor. Who believes that they are a law-abiding citizen? There are a lot of hands that didn't go up. (laughs) I really hope that's not how you feel about yourselves. Well, I really hope that's not what you are. I mean, I hope you are a law-abiding citizen. But anyway, so let's look at One area, speed limits. That's a law. So if you go one mile per hour over the speed limit, you have now broken the law. How many of you are law-abiding citizens? Right? I understand it. I get it. It's really hard sometimes. I grew up on the Badger where at the time I was growing up, it was 55 miles per hour and everybody drove 70. And so when they put in the roundabouts and they dropped it to 45, I thought it was stupid. And it has been so hard and so tempting to go 40, to go more than 45 on that road. But I tell you what, yesterday I was on the Badger and I saw 45 and it wasn't very hard anymore knowing that I was giving this message today. All of a sudden it just kind of rang in my head. But... 
we all have these things, right? A, a year ago, I was on a plane to Texas, and I was texting my wife, telling her we were about to take off, and the flight attendant came by. And she said, sir, I'm going to need you to turn off, my fo- turn off your phone. I don't really like the turn off your phone during takeoff rule. I don't think it's going to crash the plane. Maybe there's a pilot here who can tell me different. But I think it's all okay to have your phone on. But while I am on that plane, she is my authority. And her rules are my authority. All authority comes from God. And therefore, all honor of authority is honoring to God. Romans 13.1 says, Everyone must submit to governing authorities. For all authority comes from God. And those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. All authority comes from God. Every speed limit, every... Airplane rule. Do you know when I was on that plane and she told me to turn off my phone, you know what I did? Put it face down on my lap and I covered up my hand, covered it up with my hands. That was dishonoring to authority. That was dishonoring to God. And as God has convicted me and I have tried to live more humbly, I see how I could have honored God in that position. While all honor of authority is honoring to God, all dishonor of authority is dishonoring to God. Peter says in 1 Peter 2.16, For you are free, yet you are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. You know, while, while we are free, our ultimate authority is God. We may be free in Him, but we are not free from Him. Some of the most polarizing topics in our society center around this this authority aspect. Think presidents and governments and governors and other political leaders. You may lean super left or super right. But whether you like the authority or not, it doesn't matter. God has still placed them there. And as Romans 13 says, we are to honor that authority. So how do you reconcile? How do you reconcile honoring authority that you don't believe is right? 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4 says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful And quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Savior. Who wants everyone to be saved and understand the truth. Slander dishonors. But prayer is honoring. What better way can we honor somebody. Than to ask God to guide them in their life. And to direct their path. You know but you don't know my boss. Or you don't know my teacher. You don't know my parents. I get it. They may fail as a leader. But that doesn't change the honor that God has called us to give them. 1 Peter 2.17. Peter continues. He says, Respect everyone and love the family of believers. Fear God and respect the king. 
We need to understand that this term honor or respect, it's not, it's not a feeling or an emotion, it's an action. I think every one of us who are parents have used the sixth commandment card. Honor your father and mother. I know I've heard it come out of my mouth. My kids are probably out there right now going, yeah, you have. But that same word that's used there, it's an action. It's not about emotion. It's not about how you feel about the person. It's about the action to give them that honor. Pastor Kirk could be the worst boss in the world. He could be, he could be completely idiotic and have the worst judgment. But I can still honor him in my attitude and my actions. I may not have respect for him, but I can give respect to him. Now I realize I do have a lot of respect for him. He's an awesome boss. I love him. He's a great mentor and he's a great friend. I do especially have to say that since he's probably watching from India. <laughs> but what if, what if I go into work on Monday and my boss tells me, Hey, go to petty cash, take out some petty cash and go buy some alcohol so I can take a client out tonight. And that way the alcohol won't show up on the books. Is that the right thing to do? No. You can't do it, right? That's a sinful thing. That would be dishonoring to God. But too often we use the exception to make the standard. Like we use this special case to say they've lost my respect in one area so... I won't honor them anymore. We give ourselves permission to dishonor the authority in all areas because of one area we, would, we disagree with. But there may be times where we need to oppose authority to do what's right. That doesn't mean, though, that there won't be consequences. Point number two in your notes. Being honorable may include suffering for doing good. Just because authority may be wrong doesn't give us the right to be dishonorable. We can still be honorable in opposition. This alcohol in the workplace situation gives us two options. One, we can quit. If you can't give respect or honor to an authority, change your position so that they aren't in authority over you. But it still comes with consequences, right? You lost your job, you lost your pay, it becomes hard on the family. You have another option, honorable opposition. You can tell them why you think it is wrong and tell them why you can't do it because God is your ultimate authority. But there does come consequences with that, right? You could get fired or your boss might not like you, so... They don't promote you or they don't give you the opportunities that they give other people. And then outside of work, we're faced with these types of tough decisions all the time. If you see something immoral or unjust happening in the world, it is your responsibility as a Christian to stand up for what is right. No matter the consequences for us. But we must still remain honorable in our opposition. 
Micah 6.8 says, He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Do justice, love kindness, but walk humbly. There is that submission and humility to earthly authority, but ultimately to God's authority. So take a look at what the disciples did when they were told that they, could, they couldn't preach about Jesus. Acts 5.29 But Peter and the apostles replied, We must obey God rather than any human authority. In the face to choose to obey God or obey man, they chose to obey God. But it came with consequences. They were flogged and told once again not to preach about Jesus. And how did they respond? Continues in verse 41. The apostles left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they continued to teach and preach this message. Jesus is the Messiah. Rejoicing in their suffering for the Lord's sake. The disciples continued to honor him with focused faith and a willingness to suffer the consequences. All over the Bible, we read stories like this where people opposed authority for the Lord's sake, but did it in honor. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, David, Moses, Daniel, Esther. I could go on and on and on. And each of these pleased the Lord as they submitted to his will. Well, we can see examples of this kind in more modern times, too. In 1963, in April, Martin Luther King Jr. was put in jail in Birmingham, Alabama, following a peaceful protest that he led. And in response to some of the the white church leaders who had criticized him, he sends them a letter. And he writes... But more basically, I am in Birmingham because injustice is here. Just as the prophets of the 8th century B.C. left their villages and carried there, thus saith the Lord, far beyond the boundaries of their hometowns, and just as the Apostle Paul left his village in Tarsus and carried the gospel of Jesus Christ to the far corners of the Greco-Roman world, so am I compelled to carry the gospel of freedom beyond my hometown. Like Paul, I must constantly respond to the Macedonian call for aid. His letter continues to explain the process his people go through before taking direct action. He talks about how they pleaded with with the city leaders to end the racism that they were seeing. He speaks about how they went to the businesses and they tried to negotiate with the businesses to stop segregation. And ultimately, when that didn't work and they decided to take action, he speaks of the process that they went through. He says, mindful of the difficulties involved, we decided to take, undertake a process of self-purification. We began a series of workshops on nonviolence and we repeatedly asked ourselves, are you able to accept blows without retaliating? Are you able to endure The ordeal of jail. Willing to suffer without retaliating. Sitting in jail 
for standing up for what's right. He continued to show honor and respect for authority and even goes on to explain why he's willing to break laws. He says, one may well ask, how can you advocate breaking some laws and obeying others? The answer lies in the fact that there are two types of laws, just and unjust. I would be the first to advocate obeying just laws. One has not only a legal but moral responsibility to obey just laws. Conversely, though, one has a moral responsibility to disobey unjust laws. I would agree with St. Augustine that an unjust law is no law at all. Honoring authority, but understanding that it is still our responsibility to honor God over man when laws are unjust or immoral. I'd recommend that you go and you look up the rest of this letter. It is packed full of information on what Martin Luther King Jr. went through in Birmingham and where he comes from in his world, in his worldview. You know, racism might not be as big of a topic, as big of an issue as it was then, but it is still an issue. And it is our responsibility to be able to look at a person's worldview from their angle, no matter our color or theirs. Peter continues in 1 Peter 2:18 through 20. You who are slaves must submit yourself to masters with all respect. Do what they tell you, not only if they are kind and reasonable, but even if they are cruel. For God is pleased when conscious of his will, you patiently endure unjust treatment. Of course, if you get no credit for being patient if you are beaten for doing wrong, but if you suffer for doing good and endure it patiently, God is pleased with you. Conscious of his will. So what is his will? Is it for me to suffer? Is it for me to lose my job? Is is it for me to continue to be hurt? God's will isn't in the suffering. It goes back to verse 15. To live an honorable life, but to live that honorable life for the Lord's sake. Like Martin Luther King or Peter or Paul, we may suffer for doing what is right. But it is honoring to God when we honor authority, even in the face of suffering. But what reason is there for the suffering? Why is God letting this happen? Why does he let me be hurt? Why does he let this person continue to be horrible? I don't know what God's plan is. But we don't have to know God's plan to know his will. Peter continues in verse 21. He says, For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. God's will is not in the suffering. It's in doing good for his sake. You know, I've often thought about Jesus' reactions to the high priest and, and, and to the Pharisees. And, and yeah, Jesus knew the whole plan, but when he was arrested and brought to trial and they, they hurt him and they didn't believe him, it must have still hurt inside. He must have still felt that betrayal from the people that he created. 
I don't know that I would have been able to withstand what he did and not retaliate. You know, maybe call down a little holy thunder and lightning. Maybe a quick boil plague, something like that. But Jesus did not retaliate. Jesus honored the authority that was put over him. Point number three, Jesus, the sinless son of God, modeled honor for us. Jesus submitted to that human authority. First Peter 2.23, he continues, he says, He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. We have this, this narrow view of the here and now. I don't like them. I don't like the way they treat me. They don't give me enough freedom. They hurt me. All we can see is what's happening in front of us right this moment. But God has this grander plan that we can't see. And so we have to have focused faith to know that he is letting this happen for a reason. And we can trust that he has put authority in its place for a reason. You know, even Peter, Peter struggled with this, right? The night that Jesus was arrested, Peter didn't want Jesus to be arrested. So he took authority into his own hands, not leaving it in Jesus's. And he starts swinging his sword around. And he cuts the ear off a slave. But Jesus reprimands Peter. And Jesus says in Matthew 26, 53, don't you realize that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us? And he would send them instantly. But if I did, how would the scriptures be fulfilled that describe what must happen now? Jesus was looking to the future and God's plan for us. Conscious of God's will, putting focused faith in God's plan, Jesus submitted to the earthly authority put over him. Undeserved and corrupt authority that would bring him Suffering and death, but still authority God had put there. Peter continues in verse 24. He says, he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. Jesus held all the authority in the universe. The creator of everything on earth. And everything in heaven. Yet he came as a man. And submitted himself. To the authority of man. The authority of death. And the authority of the father. And he gave his life. For our sins. What greater honor of authority is there. What greater example. Do we have. Up front. And in back, we have tables with bread and juice. And we are going to share in communion today as a way to honor Jesus and what he has done for us. The sacrifice of his life that he's given for us. But I want, as as you take the bread and as you take the juice, I want you to identify with Jesus. I want you to identify as you take the bread. I want you to identify with the 
with the fact that he submitted to that authority and he let them break his body. He gave his body over for you. And then as you take the juice, identify with the fact that Jesus shed his blood to pay for your sins. He hung on a cross and he died so that you could have new life. So why don't you come up, grab the bread and the juice, take it back to your seat, and we will take them together in just a moment.